good morning. Welcome to Rimrock Church. So good to see everybody. What a beautiful day, huh? It's amazing. Now that I'm organized. <laughs> Organization's never been my strong suit, has it, Hannah? Just well, <laughs> sometimes. You're so nice. <laughs> You're so nice. Just go, well, yes.
deserves it.
How are you guys today? Yeah, I like the hooping and 
come on now, this side of the room, actually, probably these three sections it would take, right, to offset. Can, I, can we try, can you guys, can you guys give me a little Darcy this morning when I say, good morning, Rimrock? That's, I like that better. Okay, that's very good. Well, welcome to Rimrock. If you've not ever been here before, they very rarely let me on stage anymore, so that's good for you. Um, if you're here for the very first time, we would love for you to introduce yourselves to us. We don't have you stand up or anything like that, but uh, there's a card right in front of you in the back of the seat. Um, if you would, just pull that out sometime during service. Uh, fill that out and uh, take it straight through the lobby to our welcome uh, desk right out there. And we would love to kind of get to know you and help you to get to know us, see if this is a community of believers that you'd like to um, join in the stream as we all move towards Christ. And um, we would love that. So introduce yourself that way. Have you guys noticed that fall is in the air, right? The, the weather, the, the trees have color in them. The air has a crispness to it. And there are can there's candy in buckets. Have you noticed? It's like we're in that time of year. Actually, I looked at the bucket this morning, and there was no candy in the bucket. Trunk or treat is coming uh, later in October, and uh, we would love to be able to chuck candy at kids. I mean, we would love to be able to hand candy out to children who we desperately love around here. Um, and so we would love for you to provide us with ammunition, um, with candy to hand to the youngsters. Uh, the Trunk or Treat event is being sponsored by um, um, Court Herman, one of our dentists in town. And uh, so, so you like the... You like the kind that are really sour in the middle, right? I hear that's really good on the enamel. So let's load up on that, folks, okay? We're just working together as the body of Christ to support, you know. Thank you for that. Oh, was that intentional? Oh, okay, sorry. Thank you. All right. That really, they should not encourage me. Okay, uh, here's the, the last thing um, is... Our community membership classes are coming up uh, the 17th and the 24th uh, of this month, and that is a great opportunity, those uh, two meetings, to learn about who we are, uh, the direction that we're headed, uh, where we feel like God has uh, put us in this community to make a difference um, as, we, as we are trained, uh, transformed into the likeness of Christ. And we would love for you to kind of get to know us and, and join that. So if you're not a member of Rimrock, uh, this Rimrock uh, church community, we'd love for you to participate in uh, those community membership classes, kind of get to know uh, who we are and see if this is a body that you would like to join in. Your de the details for that are in your bulletin, um, or you can um, find out more at the information desk that's right across the lobby, all right? Let me pray for us this morning, and we'll just continue to worship. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the, the beautiful weather just draws our attention to how good you are, right? But God, even if it was raining or snowing or sleeting, it, you're good. And God, we just, we just want to pause this morning as we're lifting our voices, as we're listening to your word spoken, as we as we participate 
in praising your name, God, would you just impress on us that you are good, that you are faithful, that you are kind, you're merciful, you are just, you are gracious. God, all of those things are true of you. And we want to just turn our full attention to who you are and just worship you for what is true about you. God, we love you and we lift you high today. Amen.
just with our voices say, praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory, majesty,
praise you, God. Father, thank you so much for your beautiful plan, Father, Son, Spirit, to send Jesus to pay the price for our foolishness, God. We just want to say thank you. Thank you, God, for rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness, bringing us into your kingdom of light. And as Bill comes up this morning, God, we know that you have given him words to say, God, and we need to hear that. Holy Spirit, only you can tear away the curtains that hide you from our hearts. And God, we pray right now, speak through Bill. you guys. It's awesome. Well, good morning to everybody. We are, we are continuing in the book of Philippians. If you were not here last week to hear Pastor Ben uh, kind of give an introduction, I would encourage you to go online and at least uh, download and listen to it. Part, partly, sometimes we, we take in, in the scriptures, we take a verse, and, and I, we like kind of preaching through different books and but we'll take a, a portion of scripture and preach on it, like I'm supposed to take Philippians 1, 12 through 18 today and preach on it. Uh, but I want to give warning to you. Uh, if you were writing a letter to somebody or if you were giving a talk or a speech or something and somebody just ignored all that you were doing except for that little uh, maybe two or three sentences that you were given in the speech and decided they'd go ahead and talk about that, I promise you, you would miss an awful lot, if not really grossly misinterpret what was the intent of them coming to you. And, and it's the same way as you read the Bible. Uh, we have to take the Bible as a whole, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, and see what was the story being told as the big picture. And then as you r reduce it down to, from Old Testament to New Testament, to even the books or letters like this is a letter that Paul is writing to the Philippian people, you've got to take that in context of the whole uh, canon of Scripture, the whole revelation. And, and I think uh, each, each week, I, I think Tom does a really good job, if Hannah's doing it, she does a good job of uh, singing that every once in a while we can hear through that uh, even like in, in today when we were praying in the back, Cindy had a prayer that just that just encapsulated everything. It said, Jesus, this is about you. This is a story about Jesus Christ as the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if we keep in mind that, you'll see in the book here of Philippians, Paul is absolutely enamored with this relationship with Jesus Christ. He, he keeps coming back to something, and you're going to see because of that foundation, because of his foundational relationship with Jesus Christ, that now some of these things that we're going to look at today can make sense. But I promise you, if you and I walk out of here seeing what we're going to be witnessing today of what happened in Paul's life, 
and we're going to say, yeah, I'm going to do that. And you go out and make an attempt to do that uh, without understanding the, the full in Christ, in Christ in you, and you in Christ, which is referred to over and over again here, you and I will stumble, will fail, we'll become very frustrated. What we're going to propose to you today uh, is going to be impossible for you to do. And yet something in your gut, inside your heart, is longing, and when you hear some things, thinking, yes, that's what I want, that's how I want to display this God. And so there's something built in your heart. God says, in, back in the Ecclesiastes, he says, I have placed eternity in your heart. That eternity is the longing for God, the knowing God, and yet he says right after that, but yet you won't be able to find it. And it seems like, well, that's a bum deal. But he's supposed to place that desire in your heart that you and I have, not only to love God and to love the fullness of life and to enjoy all the pleasures that he's given us, but in your heart there's a burning compassion for you as you look out over people and you see people and God lifts a veil off and you say, I love that person. How can I somehow display that? My wife, Nancy, the last probably two months, has had this kind of overwhelming uh, passion, and she said almost painful passion, of people that she loves. And she says, I wish someday I could tell them how much they mean to me. She says, that's one of the reasons I long so much for this next land, is that I might be able to say, Cal, do you realize how much I had love for you? And don't you feel that sometimes? And uh, yet somehow it falls short when you make an attempt to do so. You got to look at what was going on in the Philippian church. They were a very personal church to Paul. They, he loved them. He had a, a lot of compassion and heart. He had a, the same thing that Nancy had. He just said, I just, I love you so much. I want you so much to know how much you, you mean to me. And yet in the church, there was conflict going on. Yeah, in the church of Philippi, as wonderful it was, there was conflict. Uh, he gives us a somewhat of an idea of at least how that conflict began, which we'll look at today. And I think you'll realize that in our church, we're not far off. We have a neat body of people that love each other, that step up and do things. But in our church, we have conflict. And it might be kind of brought to the surface of what that might be. And so I feel like as we, we are, we're closely related to this, and I think you'll be able to relate yourself to this portion of Scripture, uh, quite, quite well. Join me in prayer for a second, would you? Father, I stand here empty uh, with any type of ability to transfer your life through words, through even my emotions or my desires. And unless you, Holy Spirit, come in and, and flow your life through me, and unless you uh, take away the distractions and those fences that are wrapped around the ears and the hearts of the listeners, we are a noisy gong. We make a lot of noise. We uh, talk about a lot of information, but there's somehow there's no transformation. Take the distractions uh, from me that would distract my mind as I willfully want to be a vessel of your life flowing through me. The distraction of those things that you've given me uh, at least possession to, to love. 
I hand them all down at your feet. I pray that everybody here would take that which is distracting their mind right now, whether something that happened before you came in here or whatever, just, just now for this period of time, we lay these at your altar. You said, cast those things upon you for you care for us. So we lay them at your altar that we might be fully ready to hear from you. And we're going to trust you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. We can uh, open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1. And we're going to start at verse 12. And we are going to look through uh, kind of verse by verse here, but keep in mind that we're going to take it as a whole. But I want to kind of break this down and, and begin to go ahead and have you kind of walk through it with me. Starts out in verse 12, it says, Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Number one is there are different terms for this circumstances. He said, my circumstances. There are two types of circumstances in our lives, and Paul's referring to some of these. One is a circumstances in your life that you had no control over. Either somebody did something to you, or something happened in a fallen world, and that circumstance is coming upon you, and now you're in some type of a trouble, some type of pain. Maybe it's physical pain, and maybe it's not something you had anything to do with. It's just that you live in a fallen world. So some of these circumstances that came unto Paul, okay, uh, they, they had the potential to really wipe him out. And some of the people were waiting for him to be wiped out. Now, there's other circumstances that, if you're like me, we get into because we make poor choices, and then we, then we reap the consequences of those circumstances. And so when we reap those, they still, they still are circumstances. They still have the ability to wipe you out. Or they have the ability to somehow even pro, uh, lift up and make the situation that you're in even better than it was before. I'm reminded of Joseph. If you know the story of Joseph and all the things his brother tried to do to him. First they wanted to kill him. Then they just decided, we'll make money. We'll throw him in the pit. And all the things that kept happening to him... Now, I would say, and this is my take, I we're not, uh, don't take this to the bank, but I think the first part of the circumstances on Joseph were on him. I think he was a very arrogant young man. Uh, he, he, he made sure that his brothers knew that uh, he had these dreams, and he made sure that they knew that they weren't the part of the dreams that he was. But then lots of his circumstances in his life were things that came upon him, and when they came upon him, he was thrown in prison, he was in jail, but when it comes down, I love the end of the story in Genesis chapter 50. I think it's verse 21, and he says, You meant these things for evil against me, but God has meant them for good in the bringing about a preserving of many lives. Meaning your circumstances, whatever you are in, have the ability to actually end up being better than if the circumstances had not come, if you will follow the pattern that Paul follows. What is it that's going on in your life that you wish, oh, just, this is horrible, or this is just terrible, I'm not sure I can make it, or oh, this has really set me back? Think about it. What are the circumstances that do that? 
I got a phone call last night that has the potential to set me back quite a ways. And I was on my way driving here, and I said, well, Lord, I, uh, I didn't really plan on working through this right before I got up here. Well, what are you going to do? What kind of power does this God of yours have? What are the circumstances? He says this turned out to good. A matter of fact, they were trying to beat me and do whatever they could to silence me. And what ended up happening is Christ, the Messiah, they, they got curious and said, why is this guy rejoicing and praising when we're beating him? And some of them said, who is this Messiah you're talking about? And he got freedom to talk to them. And many of the Praetorian Guard became believers. And so the very thing they tried to do was silence him and put him in jail and keep him off the streets. Now this all of a sudden has turned to good. And the, even the jailers are coming to faith. And they're going home and telling their families, if you'll find out later on, about this God. And so all of a sudden, this that was meant for evil against him has turned out good. How did that happen? And how can it happen in your life? Let's continue said, and most of the brethren, trusting, have far more courage now to speak the word of God without fear. I want to pause there for a minute because uh, one of the things, uh, my wife and uh, my friend Terry are teaching a precept class right now on, and precept is just an inductive Bible study on Philippians. And I said, do you have any words for me as I talk on this? She goes, you know, one of the things that I think that you ought to at least make sure that makes the message have some, some type of validity to it is this stuff was real in Paul's life. It was real. Those of you that have been attending this church for a long time, uh, what somehow happened years ago when Pastor Steve Balsley was here and when Steve came here, and he would probably be nodding right now, Steve didn't come out here as this eloquent uh, preacher when he first started out here. But something in his life grabbed you and me when you listened to him, and it's because this stuff was real to him. And then he was uh, allowed to be on display by getting cancer, and we all witness somebody walking through cancer, and actually we witness him walking until he literally almost died here on the stage. And people from different churches and people that never attended churches kept hearing of this. And it helped further the gospel because you know why? Not because at the end he was so awesome in his speaking. He was real. This stuff was real, and people wanted to see something authentic. And not only was it real, but there was something else that we're going to see through the rest of this book, is that there was power in this message. There was something that was powerful in it. I wonder sometimes in my own life, I wonder in your life, I wonder in the challenges that we have when we have circumstances come, are we kind of like an old guy that used to minister to me when I was younger? His name was Charles Swindoll. And uh, he had a sermon one time called, Just Three Dollars Worth of God, That's All I Need. Not enough to really change my heart for somebody. Not enough for me to have to go ahead and, and make some laying down of my rights that changed my life. 
This is what was going on in the Philippian people. Later on, you're going to see that he says, do nothing from selfish conceit or empty conceit. And that word literally means uh, glory empty. And what it means, glory is sabbat. It means that part of your life that you're longing for, that glory that somehow has you have value and have worth and, and have somehow meaning in life. It's a glory that is lifted up that glory, and it says you're empty, your glory empty. And because your glory empty, you're hungry. Because you're starved because you're empty. And so these people were starved for glory. You see them throughout the church that they kept doing things out of empty glory, empty conceit. And he keeps saying, do, but do it out of humility. Follow the example of Christ, who though he had all the glory, he was God himself, he emptied himself, and he became man. Not just an ordinary man. And he didn't come down here as the stud athlete or as the stud-looking guy. He came down here, as Genesis says, or Isaiah, he wasn't even that pleasant to look at. He was kind of under normal. He laid aside everything that he might somehow demonstrate this power and this reality of life, and then people were drawn to him. And the neat thing, and, and Ben alluded to it last time at the end of uh, Philippians 2, he says, therefore God exalted on him a power and a name above every name, that there's no name in heaven and on earth that could be above his name. And every single knee will bow down before him and say, you are truly the God of the universe. And so my challenge to you as we continue through here is what is it that demonstrates this reality of this message? What is it that demonstrates the reality of this power that does more than just cause you to come up here on Sunday morning and just come here and listen and say, oh, no, that was okay. I loved that song. I loved how it went. What is it that makes you bend down and break and, and do things that you lay down your life? That's what it said in there is that you consider others more important than you. Ben and I were talking about this week. Uh, he said, he's going to be out of town, so it's on me. And I said, well, yeah, you lay it on me to have to tell people about this. We have right now going on in this world, and you've heard me say it before, and you're probably going to hear me say it again, we are in a weird time. We live in a weird time where not only is the world divided, but our country's divided. Not only is our country divided, our city is, and, and our church is divided, and sometimes our families are divided because of all our things that we have become convinced of, and we want to hold on to those things we've become convinced of, and we want other people to be convinced of the same things we're convinced of. And if not, we pretty much kind of back away. Now, I'm not going to tell you to become convinced of this or of this, because I'm not sure what I'm convinced of. But I want you to see, when I'm talking about this, where this power penetrates into lives. We've got people right now that have lost jobs, they're no longer getting paid, they have a family, because their conviction was that they believe they should not be vaccinated. And so they've lost their jobs. Now, we've got whatever side you're on on that. Here's what this gospel looks like if you'll live it out. If they've lost their job, if they're no longer paid because of their convictions that they're standing strong to because they've came to those convictions, like Romans 14 says, 
And let's say you're over here saying, what kind of idiot would not be vaccinated? This is crazy. And so there's a probing inside you that says, maybe you should give part of your paycheck to them. <laughs> they get vaccinated. Then they get their paycheck. This is the kind that he's talking about here. This is what it's saying. They laid down their personal convictions in order to love somebody and demonstrate the reality and the power of the message of this gospel. And we have the reverse side. We have people that, on the other side, that are saying, okay, this is what I believe so strongly, and this person got vaccinated and they're sick. Well, they deserve getting sick because they got vaccinated. They should have listened to me and not get vaccinated. But now because they're sick, and I have this for a real case, now they're going to go ahead, and now that they're sick, they're going to lose money from that. Can I go ahead and say, God, whether I stand here or not, can I say, what does that brother in Christ need or that sister in Christ need, and how do you want to love that person through me? Let me go ahead and lay things down and lay down my empty conceit, but out of humility, count this person as better than me, even though I don't believe what they believe. How do you want to love this person? You see, this stuff hits right in your home. And this is what Paul was saying. This is what was so powerful to these people. Because it goes on, he says, there are people in here as we continue, some to be sure, in verse 15, are preaching Christ from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The later are doing it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, but the former are proclaiming Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is being proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. You see the picture here? He wasn't concerned about his agenda. And believe me, you saw many different times Paul had agendas. He laid it down because what, what meant something to him was, was this God that I have laid down my life for, that I have surrendered all of my rights to, is he being lifted up, not just the name of Jesus or what we call the gospel, sharing the gospel, but was the life of God being proclaimed through him. That's all that mattered to him. And that's where his power came from. That's where a guy could be in prison being beat and being tortured and somehow rejoice and be telling people of this Jesus because that is what he means by being in Christ or Christ in you. That's how he could also have people speaking. They weren't speaking ill against him. They just were arrogant and they didn't like the popularity of Paul. So finally, he gets put in prison and they get to now be puffed up because Paul's out of the way and they did it for selfish ambition. And he says, you know, it doesn't matter which, what they're doing it for. If Jesus Christ is being lifted up, that's all that matters to me. Now, little disclaimer here. These were believers, and they were preaching actually about Jesus Christ. They weren't the non-believer false prophets. He does approach the false prophets later. They were people that were just like you and some of your brothers and sisters that are sharing Jesus Christ. However, they don't have the same stand you have on certain issues, whether it's the political issues or whatever issues it are. But so what? If they're proclaiming Christ, can you just lay down the differences and rejoice that Jesus Christ is being lifted up and exalted so that a world that is looking on would look on and see this? 
I shared this before up here. I, I don't know how many years ago it was. I, I noticed one thing. They put out a little bulletin, had our pictures in there, and they took mine, I think, from my high school reunion. <clears throat> and I said, wow, I looked pretty good back then. Okay. But I remember going to, uh, there was a, we didn't have a civic center way back in the 70s. And I remember going in to listen to a guy that came through town and I had not heard of him, but I quickly went and read the book after my grandparents had told me about him. Uh, his, his name was Warmbrandt. And he was in prison and during World War I. And he was literally mutilated and beat and tortured. And he goes on in the book called Tortured for Christ, and it's quite... Uh, I, if you're not ready for a lot of graphic torture, be careful how you read it. But he was beat. He was ter terribly beaten. Uh, and the, the thing that I was amazed is I, um, it reminded me of Philippians here in this verse where Paul was in prison. Paul was being tortured as well. I don't know to what degree he was, but when he tells how he almost came to, and died numerous times, I think it was pretty bad. Oh, this Wormbrandt, when he was in prison, these guards would torture him and torture him, and uh, people would come be thrown into prison. And they were in prison because they were proclaiming Jesus Christ. And when people would come in, they didn't know how to live off a little teeny bread and little water, so he would take uh, some of his, sometimes all of his, and give it to the people and say, here, uh, take this and eat this. And some of the guards started witnessing him giving his food to these other people. And these were the guards that were beating him. He had the guards bring in some of his children and beat his children in front of him. This guard that beat his child saw this unbelievable power and the reality of this message in Wormbrandt. And he said, tell me about this God. And the guard became a believer and they threw him in prison. How does this happen? What kind of gospel or life allows us to have that kind of power that somehow transforms lives. I don't think Wormbrandt intended to do this, but there was a, a mocker in that auditorium that night. And he says, I think you're making all this up. He was hesitant. He was old. The guy that was helping him uh, convinced him, and he took his shirt off and turned around. His back was split open. Years and years ago, the scars were so deep. How does he rejoice in prison? How do these people do this? How did Paul do this? And that's the point that I think he laid this out for you and me is, do you guys realize what we're talking about? We have, and we have the ability to possess a power that is not only real in your life, that gets into those things in your family and transforms that, but a power that could make people look at you and say, wow, what is it about these people that keep me, I'm, my curiosity is still being drawn to this. Well, I'm going to give you a little key nugget before the next messages come because I don't want to steal from the other. I think Nick's next, and I can't remember who else is, but you will see a phrases that are pinched in and out of this whole book and in and out of the rest of his epistles. Three phrases. Here you're going to see that 
in Christ, in Christ is repeated constantly. You're going to see Christ as my life. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I that have to live in this flesh, but the life of Christ now living in me. And then you're going to see the other one is, what is this mystery that these angels are so blown away by? And the mystery, it says in Colossians, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. What he's trying to realize is this is not a God that is out there, and somehow we come here, we bend down, we talk to him out here. He wants to penetrate and have all of your life and everything in your life so that you might be with Paul rejoicing and singing when circumstances come on you. You might be able to lay down your uh, things you become convinced of and love people that don't believe the way you believe instead of making divisions between that. You might see this power reach over into things that you never, never thought was ever going to be possible. How can I love this person that continues to put me down? This is the kind of power that people, this is what draws people to the life of Christ. It isn't our growing and our getting a new place down here below and we worship outside, so we're kind of like the old, you know, uh, Woodstock. <laughs> it's that somehow they're going to see this stuff's real. These people believe this stuff. And not only do they believe it, it has the power to bring people to their knees when they should be retaliating. Pray with me, would you? Father, I know that I have been guilty so often of just wanting $3 worth of you. Just that I'd go ahead and have that banner uh, put over me that I'm your child and that I'm a Christian. And I know that sometimes it's scary to jump all in. You gave the example of Timothy and, uh, and, and, and Ephroditus, and you said, look at these people. They were all in. For the other people were seeking only after their own interests and not those of Jesus Christ. But Timothy and Ephroditus, they're the true thing. They're the true thing. Father, we have seen stories. We've had friends. Even in our own lives sometimes, we have been the true thing. Don't let us lose sight of that, because that's where life is. You even gave us so that we wouldn't say, oh gosh, we choose this, and then let's just be tortured all the rest of the time on this planet. You said that you will lift up those that would seek you, not only in the world to come, but in this world as well. It is where real life is found. It's what we're really longing for. So give us the power to step forward. Give us the ability to go ahead and realize that by Christ, you being what we seed on, we're not going to seed on anything else but you. We're going to seed on you and you alone, for that's where life is found. Make this real in our lives, Father. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
God, we surrender to your ways today. Do it through us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come join us Wednesday night. And... Uh